McMaster has over 210,000 alumni living in 140 countries around the world. Unconventional will introduce you to some of our alumni who are working to make our world a brighter place in their own unique way. Join me, Karen McQuig, Alumni Director at Mac, as we learn the moments that their path from Mac became unconventional. With over 200,000 alumni, you can expect to discover some graduates with unusual careers. But I don't think I ever expected to find an engineering physics circus performer. But that is exactly who I'm talking to today on our podcast. Krista Wilson graduated in 2006, and instead of pursuing a career in the field of engineering, she chose a life of travel, performance, and lots of twists and turns, but those twists and turns are actually planned. As a performer, Krista and her partner have traveled to over 45 countries, and while the pandemic and worldwide shutdown dramatically impacted her life, we will discover how it only solidified her decision for an unconventional career journey. I'll have to say, Krista, that your um, the podcast information I got pre-meeting and I was reading through was the most unusual one I've gotten so far. And, and how I'm going to say this for folks who are going to meet you and, and uh, listen to your story as we have our conversation is you went to Mac for engineering physics. Yes. And that is not what you did post-graduation. So why don't you share with everybody, let's let let's, let's the elephant of the room come out. Like, what did you do with your engineering physics degree from McMaster? Um, I, I wouldn't say I did anything like specifically engineering physics um, with my degree. I happened to be a national level figure skater at the time I was doing my degree. So I took an extra year to finish. So my five-year degree turned into six years, which I was okay with. Um, and then when I graduated, I had this mountain of student debt and I needed a job. So I started applying for skating jobs and engineering jobs. And I got a couple interviews for um, engineering jobs and I got a skating job right away. And that skating job led to um, a job working on the cruise ship. And I worked on the cruise ship as an ice skater. And because when you're there, you have no expenses, I was able to pay off my student loans in three contracts. That was very, very helpful for, um, for me. So, and then after that, I was kind of hooked. I really loved it, you know, um, traveling the world and getting to do what I loved and what I was good at. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And, and to be honest, I kind of fell into engineering because when I was finishing high school and I was trying to decide what to do, um, I didn't really know. I just knew that I liked math and science and I was good at math and science. So I was like, well, I'll just go to math. They have a general first year in engineering and that's math and science and I like it. And, and then we'll see what happens from there. And after my uh, first year, I was like, well, physics is the most broad, you know, that covers the most amount of things. And I still don't really know yet. So let's take physics. So let's go back a little bit. Like, so you were um, a professional ice or you were an amateur ice skater, right? So you were, I was a competitive ice skater. Yes. Yeah. Competitive ice skater. So, so what do you think you um, took from that, that you could apply to your engineering um, time at McMaster? So, you know, was there anything that you learned as being a competitive skater that you were able to to, to put into play when you were studying engineering? Definitely, definitely time management and self-discipline. Um, 
figure skating as a solo uh, competitive sport is very lonely and you have to be very self-disciplined on your own. And engineering, you need that discipline too, because if you don't take the time that you have to, to do your work, then it just piles up and it, it seems insurmountable. So definitely those, those skills certainly helped me in my engineering degree. What do you think you learned about yourself from your, your engineering degree? Was there something that surprised you? I mean, you liked math and, and um, you know, that kind of math and science, and then you ended up in engineering physics. Was there anything that you were like, three, you know, three years in, like, oh, I really like this, or, or maybe I don't, or I'm not really sure, or um, I'm whatnot? Um, yeah, I ended up really, really liking the psychology part. I did the engineering and society, which I loved. I think that's a fantastic program that Mac offers that no other university offers. Um, it's sometimes hard to explain to people what that degree is, but I really think it makes you a more well-rounded engineer, um, even a more well-rounded person in terms of thinking and inquiry. And I did a minor in psychology with the society program, and I really loved the psychology um, it was very interesting to me. So, okay. So you were applying for engineering jobs. You applied around on the ice skating. You got the cruise job. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Like being three years traveling on a, on a cruise ship must've been a really incredible experience. You got to go to places, meet people, but how was that life when you sort of were doing your transition from student to real life? Um, Honestly, working on a cruise ship is very similar to being in university. Um, you kind of like live in a dorm type of atmosphere. Um, you get to meet people from all over the world. And uh, yeah, I, the thing that I loved about it was, was meeting people from all over the world, experiencing those different cultures, but also seeing the different places in the world. You know, it was the first time I'd really traveled outside of North America um, and gotten to see all those different places. It was, I mean, really incredible. And then, um, and then I ended up meeting my husband on, on the ship as well. So that changed my journey also. Well, I guess you really were on a love boat, like the series from the seventies. I'm dating myself. Um, so let's, let's sort of go through. So you've done three years on the cruise ship, you've paid off your student loans, but you didn't make the change that, you know, maybe some people might think like, okay, I've done this three years. I've paid off my loans. Let me go, let me look now, dip my toe back into engineering and see what I can do with my engineering degree. But you didn't do that. You did something different. So why don't you tell, why don't you share with us what, what happened next when you decided my cruising days were done? Yeah, so I actually worked for Royal Caribbean for five years. So three years, I paid off my student loans. And then I took a long vacation and treated myself to a five-week trip in Australia. I did backpacking in Australia. And then I went back to the ship. And then I met my husband. And he was um, a diver and acrobat in the aqua show and theater show on board. And we were like, oh, okay, so maybe this is, you know, something serious. So how are we going to stay together? He was from Brazil and I'm from Canada. Um, we decided to try and make an act together as circus artists. And our initial plan was to make that act on ice. Um, that didn't quite work out. There weren't quite enough ice shows that were interested in something like that. So we ended up going to Brazil and working with a new contemporary circus company there and developing our circus acts. And we've been together now 10 years um, and we do a whole bunch of different circus acts. And so you could take your 
your ability that you did from skating, but they're not on ice, right? Like you must've had the ability to do that. Like, you know, I can skate, but I'm not sure every competitive skater can actually become acrobat or am I incorrect on that? Um, I think with the desire and the will (laughs) you could, um, I certainly had the body awareness, which made things easier for me. Um, but I didn't have any upper body strength and that was something that I needed for circus. So there was a lot of training involved. Um, also a lot of learning together. You know, we, uh, my, my partner had never done partner acts before either. He'd always done like solo things with trampoline and diving. And so learning aerials was new for him too. He had the strength from gymnastics coming into it. Um, but we needed to learn how to work together also. So that was a big challenge. It was definitely a big challenge. What do you think people would be surprised to learn about that sort of profession or lifestyle or, you know, it's, it's hard. Like you're traveling, you're doing lots of things. Like what, what, what do you think people don't know about it? Um, I think people see the glamorous part of it, right? They see the show business, they see the shows, the fabulous costumes, and they don't realize how much training goes into it. You know, I'd kind of describe it like an iceberg. The, the part that the public sees is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, there's so much um, physical training, mental training. Um, you know, there's so much about the art of it and the storytelling that I didn't didn't know when I got into it also and that I really enjoyed exploring. So now we're at um, COVID and that sort of shut down the, the industry everywhere, right? Like not only were we freaking out about toilet paper, performers were not able to perform. So what was your pivot when COVID hit? Um, So that was a really big challenge. My husband and I were in Dubai and we were stuck there. So my flight home was canceled. His flight to Brazil was canceled and we had nowhere to go. At the time, Canada was only letting permanent residents and uh, citizens in. So we had to wait until they were letting partners of citizens in. Um, And then he was able to get his um, ETA visa and we came to Canada and it was a kind of a whirlwind. We were like, okay, what's next? What do we, what do we do? Are we going to kind of rethink everything? Is this a legitimate career path now? How long is this going to go on for? And and we really didn't know. Uh, And in all that time, we applied for permanent residency for, for him in Canada Um, we started working, well, I started working at a circus school teaching and we were training together. And then I was searching for jobs and nobody was hiring because nobody knew it was going to happen. And then I was very fortunate to, um, get a supply teaching job at this private school in Kitchener Waterloo called AIM KW school. Um, and I, I loved it. I loved it. I had, had some experience teaching before I worked as a TA when I was at Mac Um, I've taught some skating before and I've taught a little bit of circus. So I was like, well, that seems like a natural thing. You know, I could teach math and science. I, you know, it could be really interesting. And um, the team at the school was amazing. And they ended up hiring me for the next year to teach the high school program. And I loved it. Um, It's definitely something I would seriously consider um, as a future career path after circus. Yes, it was a it was a really excellent opportunity, and I really I really loved it. And it it was so great to kind of pass on my love for math and science to other students who may have thought that they could do that. 
So you did that for years. So are you back being a circus performer now or are you back yes. on that circuit yes. and stuff? So what's, how, how, how is that recovered in, um, I'd like to say post pandemic, but maybe the later stages of the pandemic, because unfortunately we're not over the pandemic yet. Yeah. So we, we looked at the situation and um, we really thought, okay, things are recovering. Shows are starting to come back. There is a possibility that this could be a career path again. Um, and so we took a risk and quit all the jobs and um, came to Montreal to create a two-person 45-minute show. So that's where we are right now. And hopefully we'll be able to continue with that. I mean, after 10 years, we've developed a lot of different skills and we'd like to go back to cruise ships actually. So it could be interesting. So in your career, is it really you and your, your partner, your husband that actually have to go and find roles? Like, I, I don't know, like, is I, I know certainly things have changed in the circus world. Like it's not the big companies anymore, or maybe there is a big company or things that close. like, how do you manage finding your next gig and how you do that? Yeah, that's definitely part of the business. You, you have to market yourself. Your resume is your, your demo video. Uh, you have to have videos of your full acts, um, full cost, like you have to have your own costumes um, and everything prepared. And then you have to market it. You have to market it to whatever your, your goal is. If you want to work for the big companies, you, there, there are big companies still and they're starting up again. Um, so you can fill out their applications and send the thing, but really it comes down to networking. And that was something you know, I learned at McMaster also, you know, we had all those networking events with engineering society and engineering and physics. And it, it really is about that in circus as well is marketing and networking. Making connections. Yeah. Listening to your story, I think you're a risk taker. Like it's a pretty big risk to go from, you know, engineering physics to, um, you know, the, the cruise ship and circus performer and then to teacher and whatnot. So would you have looked back at yourself when you're coming out of university saying, I am a big risk taker, or is that something you, that you, you, but you embrace, or you like risk or you like change? Um, I like change. I do like change. I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a big risk taker. Um, I like calculated risk. Um, so I do a lot of planning and research. Um, something I learned at master <laughs> uh, was how to do research and how to, how to figure it out and plan. Um, but yes, I do like change and I am not afraid to, to jump into something new and give it a shot. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. I think that's part of the spice of life, I guess, is to just try new things and kind of go with the flow. How did your parents take your decision to actually do something that was not engineering physics post-graduation? Was that like a mom and dad, just sit down, I need to tell you something? <laughs> Not at all, really. I mean, I was a competitive skater for my whole life. So they knew that was a huge part of my life. Um, they supported that um, wholeheartedly. And so um, they just they just wanted me to be happy. You know, my mom has, has always said to me, like, part of the deal of, like, doing the competitive sport was that I had to have good grades and I had to be at school. And she, she didn't care what I studied she just wanted me to study she's like just keep your options open whatever you choose is okay 
Um, so, and I, I'm, I'm definitely glad that I did that because it has opened many doors for me. Um, you know, education always does that no matter what you study, right? Absolutely. So you've been able to travel the world. Like, I think you've been in, like, I think my notes say like 45 different countries and it may be, it may be 50 by now, but <laughs> what, do you take, what, what really excites you about getting on a plane and going to see a new place? Um, I, I, I love to learn about new cultures and I love food. I love to try the food wherever we go. And I think that's a, the food is a lot of, of culture, right? You know, when you, when you travel and yeah, you just, you'd learn so much. It opens your, your eyes to possibilities, to, to differences. I, I think it makes you a more tolerant and accepting person as well um, to see, you know, different ways that people live and it's okay too, you know? Do you have a favorite place you visited? Oh, it's so hard to choose. I was say, that might be a really hard question. Or, okay, how about this one then? Instead of picking a favorite one, what's a place that you've, um, you've traveled to that would surprise people that you would recommend you really got to go there? Okay, this one I know. I would highly recommend, if you go to the Caribbean, to go to a little island called Dominica. So it's not the Dominican Republic. It's a tiny island. It's called Dominica. Um, it's not a wealthy country but it's very, very beautiful. They have mountains and beach and hot springs. And they have this coral reef that they call champagne reef where like bubbles come up from the, from, from the ground. It's, it's so beautiful, this place. And, and you wouldn't expect it because it's such a tiny island for it to have like these mountains and then this black sand beach and then hot springs. And it's very an unexpected place. Okay. Is there anywhere on your, like, where, what's your bucket list to go to? Because, all right, you've been to a lot. What's on your bucket list? So Japan is definitely on my bucket list. I would really like to go to Japan. Um, I've heard a lot about their culture and it seems very interesting and, and different. And yeah, that's, that one's on my bucket list. South Africa so as well. South Africa. Okay. So, and do you, do you primarily, you know, you've been to a lot of countries through your work and what you've done, but is it like two or three that you primarily go back to, or is there, is there a, like a circuit you go around? Like how, how does your, how does your work play out in a 12 month period? Um, so you really never know. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, my husband's Brazilian. So we have worked a lot in Brazil, um, which is great because he has a lot of connections there. Um, I, I definitely enjoy Brazil. I learned how to speak Portuguese and um, it's, it's a very cool place. Uh, culturally, food, uh, nature, it's an amazing country. Um, so we do tend to try to get work there also because um, his family is there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and then anywhere, anywhere really. The, the cruise ships tend to do Caribbean and Mediterranean, which is also amazing. So I can't complain. No, you cannot complain. Um, you know, you, had, you talked about like with COVID and the pivot, you went to teaching. Was there ever a moment you thought, okay, maybe maybe it's time to put the engineering degree to work other, not in a teaching aspect, but as a, you know, getting an engineering job. Did you ever have that moment where you thought maybe it's time? Oh, for sure. In the pandemic, I had many moments that were like, oh, what about this? Maybe I should do this. 
okay, let's try this. <laughs> um, I did apply for engineering jobs as well when it came to pandemic and coming home to Canada. And I, and I just never heard back. And I think it was a matter of circumstance, really. I mean, I'd been out of my degree for so long, didn't have, you know, relevant experience. And if you don't have that network of trying to like get somebody to just, just meet me, just talk to me, just see, you know, we could, we could go for it. But I think a lot of places were just not hiring as well because they just didn't know what was going to happen. And so, yeah, I did, I did try. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day, what do you, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, what do you think you'll be doing in five years? Well, I'd really love to stay in show business, to be honest. Um, we're doing this creation of our own show uh, in five to 10 years. I'd like to be continuing to create shows um, with a team of people and, and developing the art of contemporary circus. So you think that it's, I mean, based on this, you think that one day you can go from performer to actually having a show and hiring people to do the things that you do now. Would that be sort of the dream at the, in, in the next, you know, five to 10 years? Yes. Yes, definitely. Is there anything that surprises you um, about the career that you've chosen to do? Surprises me. I, I guess I never would have expected it. If you put me back uh, to graduation from McMaster, I never, I never would have dreamt this is where I would be. You know, I, I really thought that I would go into some kind of creation or design in engineering. Um, you know, I didn't, I never thought that I would end up as a circus artist. That was definitely nowhere in my imagination. Um, but I'm glad that it took me on this path. Um, and I, I feel very fortunate that I could do something like that. It's very neat. Like it's just a totally different path from graduation. And I think that's, that, that, that's what a lot of young people probably need to think about. Like you may love engineering, you may love your course, whatever it is, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the path is always that way and to open yourself up to that, right? So, but that also takes it in a person to actually feel comfortable with taking that challenge and stuff and to do that. And that's not easy for everybody. Oh, for sure not. And um, I was having a conversation with uh, another uh, engineering student and I kind of just said to him like, when you finish, just follow your values. Do something that fits with your values. And from there, you'll find your path. You know, like you can find happiness as long as you're doing something that fits in your value system. I think that's very, very good advice. Um, so as we kind of get close to the end of our conversation, let's go down a little bit of a memory lane at McMaster. So do you have a favorite memory from your time at McMaster you'd share with everyone? Oh, a favorite memory from McMaster. Um, I had a psychology professor that I loved. I took this summer course in personality and she was inspiring. I, you know, I, I loved that course. I went to school year round from grade 11. So I continued in McMaster. I did summer courses and um, yeah, she was just really, really awesome she had this assignment where you had to kind of evaluate um, 
this, this person. And you didn't know if it was a real person or not a real person, or if it was just a case study or what it was. And, and you submitted your evaluation and then it was a real person. And that real person like looked at your responses and responded to you. And it was just kind of a, a revelation of, you know, understanding that your words have meaning, whether you know it or not. It's interesting through our conversation, there's been little tidbits all the way along about things you learned to make master that you're actually using in your everyday. So in many ways, you're using your engineering degree every day. <laughs> well, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might not be designing a bridge, but you're designing a show. Yes. <laughs> um, is there any book you're reading now you'd like to share with everybody or a podcast you really like? Uh, let me think about that. I, I don't have a book that I'm reading right now. Uh, I did really enjoy Trevor Noah's book. Have you seen that one? Born yes. a Crime? Yep. This was very entertaining. I really enjoyed that book. <laughs> um, and podcast, I like the, the Artist Athlete podcast. She's a circus artist and she interviews other circus people. Oh, okay. I've never heard of that one. That might be a good one to put on when I'm mowing the lawn or going for a long walk. <laughs> if I were to ask you what your idea of, of, of perfect happiness is, what, what would your answer be? Um, being surrounded by people that you love and having a great meal and great conversation. Okay. And do you have any packing tips? Everybody's getting on a plane and going for a travel. Now you've traveled everywhere. You travel a lot for your work, for your job. That's part of what you do. Yes. What's your best travel? What's your best traveling or, or packing tip you're going to share with us? Um, you don't need as much as you think you do. <laughs> you can get by with much less than you imagine. And if you forget something, you can just buy it when you get there. There so you go. Pack light. Roll your clothes one pair of shoes, you're done. You're good, yeah. And is it, is it what, what kind of shoes would you, what are your most comfortable pairs of shoes that you would pack? For sure, a pair of running shoes. Running shoes, yeah. yeah. I think as we, you know, as we get older a little bit, it's like the running shoe is like, it's just as, it's just as fashionable as, as the high heel. It's the most functional <laughs> shoe. <laughs> Easy to wear, whatever, whatever you wear. Um, is there anything that you bought during COVID or recently that you're like, wow, this has really made a big difference in my life or something I really love? Something that I bought during COVID that I really love. We've had like answers like pizza ovens, bicycles, um, all kinds of different answers for that one. All right. Um, I got an air fryer for my husband for his birthday and it turns out that it's really awesome. <laughs> it cooks things really fast. They're nice and crispy and very tasty and very healthy. So pretty happy with the air fryer that I bought for my husband. Air fryer. All right. Um, and, you know, if you were to go look back and think about you yourself as a first year student, what piece of advice would you give your first year self? Well, I definitely lacked confidence as a first year student. Um, I was very, very shy growing up and um, my parents tried a lot of different strategies to kind of help me with that and they worked eventually. And in university, my first year, I was like, okay, this is it. I'm going to talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I did lack a lot of confidence. So I'm, I'm very glad that 
over the course of my university degree, I gained that confidence. You know, it definitely was a learning experience and something I had to really work hard at. So I was, yeah, I would say, you know, commit to that confidence because it worked. Ah, that's a great way. Well, thank you so much for for joining us on our podcast today. What an interesting, interesting, unconventional journey. If you ever were, you're the poster child for the podcast, Unconventional, because you've had a very different career path than most people, but it seems that you're doing something that you love. And isn't that in the end what everybody really strives to do? Absolutely. You know, and I think as a teacher, I was just trying to inspire the students to to be able to take their own path, whatever, whether it was conventional or unconventional, you know, whatever fit them, because no one path is going to fit everybody. Um, And I think that's, that's something that comes down to confidence as well is to take those risks, even if they're planned risks, um, and to just follow your heart, like follow what, what it is you really want to do. Well, thanks, Kristen, for a lovely conversation. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me.